On this episode of Recruiting Hell, we debut a new show format with real job seekers that share their tactics that help them get a new or a better job. The first day, maybe it was January, maybe it was last June, when you said, this is, I'm on the hunt. I'm on job search hunt. What did day one look like for you? What the hell am I going to (laughs) do? And then maybe the next follow-up question is, is what the hell were you going to do? Well, I think you would have to understand a little bit of context about me. Go for it. I graduated from um, lacrosse in 2013 Mm -hmm. with a bachelor's in political science, history minor, and just short of an economics minor. And originally I went into politics and figured I'd pursue that as a career as um, I had done some speech writing. I did a lot of volunteering for campaigns. I was a heavy activist. And at a certain point, um, I got really burned out really quickly and I had to change over. And I kind of, uh, given that we just came off of National Mental Health Day, I'll certainly admit this, I had a lot of struggles with my mental health. Uh, I went through a severe bout of depression during college, to which point uh, I was temporarily kicked out of school um, just because I stopped going to class. And uh, I got some help, got through the rest of it, figured out what my community was, but then that pulled me out of it for a while. But after I suffered some losses, you know, politically and in my job market, I kind of fell right back into that. Like I constantly explain about depression, it's like being an alcoholic sometimes. You never completely get rid of it. It's always there and you can relapse at any time. So dealing with that is a daily struggle that you have to keep up with. And for a while, I really was not motivated to pull myself out of my circumstances. So I didn't really try and improve on my job situation. I wasn't hustling. I just was okay with being content with my situation. Hello and welcome to Recruiting Hell. I'm glad you're here with us today. I'm your host, Rob Conlon. Today we enter our second episode of Season 2 with a new show format, Recruiting Hell Escapee Edition. As we continue to talk about the best ways to get hired or find a better opportunity, it can be really tiresome to watch the folks on LinkedIn all talk about the amazing recent hire that they made, because those stories never tell you what they did to get hired or who that person even is. The format of this show is to help put faces and names to our own stories here on Recruiting Health, because our goal is to earn and keep your trust that the time that you spend listening to this show and the knowledge you gain from Recruiting Health can actually help you. The goal is to bring you real people with stories just like yours to share what helped them get out of Recruiting Health. Of course, we're going to still have the solo episodes the guest experts, the guest companies with great tools. But the focus here in season two is to bring things even closer to you, the listener. Now, what does that mean? Well, this show format is a starter, and I'm hopeful that we eventually do enough of these that we find one that identifies with as many listeners as possible and shows everyone that there are paths out of recruiting hell, regardless of their profession. So what else is coming in the future episodes of this season? 
video and lots of it. We're going to upload that to our YouTube channel, which by the way, if you haven't subscribed to that yet, best get in before the rush so you don't miss a thing. Additionally, we're coming up on our 25th episode, which I thought was a fun milestone to mark with a new type of show format as well. I promise I won't throw a party episode every five or so episodes this season. The next would probably be episode 40 at the end. But the intent of episode 25 is that it's a live show. Now, there's a lot of things that I have to work out before then, but I'm telling you now, it'll be fun to tune into, and we'll have a great guest who has some excellent insight on lateral movement in jobs. Now, those are the immediate plans for now, and there's so much more to come. A quick reminder that outside of the show, there is also so much more that you can get from Recruiting Hell with our free newsletter at RecruitingHell.com. It's called Recruiting Hell Overtime. Jump over to the show website, fill out that little subscribe form, and we'll drop you a quick email every Wednesday afternoon with even more articles, tips, and tricks to help you get hired. And finally, before we begin, a massive shout out to our two newest Patreon patrons, Kenny and Scott. These guys have a hardcore belief in this show and their generosity to help others in this really weird time that is 2020 is simply incredible. I'm also fairly certain that Scott was first in line for our t-shirts over at Tee Public, which is pretty cool as well. And I think he bought one before I did, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Links, of course, in the show description for you to check out. And as always, before we start, we remind ourselves as to why we're here. If you're listening to this show, you're here for one of two reasons, getting a new or a better job. Today's job market is tough, and you're in the awful situation that I call recruiting hell, where the good jobs are few and far between, and the scams, the underpayment, the ridiculous requirements for entry-level jobs abound. This show is about teaching you to avoid the pitfalls of the modern job hunt and help build you as a person to bring your interview and your job hunting game to the next level. This show is here to give you the motivation and the discipline to keep going in your search so you can get out of recruiting hell. So whether you're on your 200th application, 50th rejection email, or second recruiter ghosting you this week, you're welcome at this table to learn new skills to help you win your job hunt. Now, that was a big opening. Without further ado, though, it is my pleasure to introduce our guest today and the recipient of the first I Escaped Recruiting Hell Award, Tom Duncan. Tom is a great new connection of mine uh, that I found through my creator community for this actual show, and he hosts a few shows of his own, most notably the, the Dynasty Download for all of you fantasy sports fans and uh, the greatest movie of all time for you cinephiles out there. Tom, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Rob. Absolutely. Hey, man, let's get started. We're going to jump right in. And this is going to go a bit of a different direction than most of our interview type shows. It's going to be a little bit more rapid fire than usual. Now, I know that you are a longtime listener. And I was honestly, I was truly thrilled when you were kind enough to tell me that some of the recent success you had landing your latest position had some roots here at Recruiting Hell, which was pretty awesome. So first question, what position did you land? And when did you start, buddy? Operations Coordinator, Condo Management Associates, Fitchburg, Wisconsin. Uh, I started, I believe that would be Monday, uh, September 14th of uh, 2020. Awesome. So you've been at that just literally, it's the 12th of October right now. You've been at just shy a month. That's awesome. So how long had you been searching for work before then? Uh, officially, I'd stepped down from my full-time position at the end of January, but I'd been on the job market since about June of 2019. Okay, so that, that's almost a 15-month process there. That's pretty pretty lengthy. 
So your background, Tom, you know, you and I have known each other for about five months here. Did this new career match up with what you had left behind before you had your span of time without work or, or was it something that you kind of entered into that was new? Uh, I would say yes and no. It's a completely different field and industry, but I think they're one of those buzzwords that we always have is transferable skills. And there are a lot of things that I've had in my previous uh, working experience that have definitely translated over to this, but it is a much different type of how to use those skills. Okay. So almost like being a journalist, but then maybe going to be a copywriter, sort of that same field, but not the same, quite same skill set. Correct. You have it pretty well on the head there that it's a different style of writing and you're using different muscles. It would be like when Michael Jordan decided to play baseball instead of basketball. They're both athletics, but they're an entirely different industry and you're using such different muscles that it takes time and practice to really build up those other set and really develop it, even if you are one of the great athletes of all time. So now here's here's the big question. We're, think back to the first day, maybe it was January, maybe it was last June, when you said, this is, I'm on the hunt. I'm on job search hunt. What did day one look like for you? What the hell am I going to do? <laughs> and then maybe the next follow-up question is, is what the hell were you going to do? Well, I think you would have to understand a little bit of context about me. Go for uh, it. I graduated from um, lacrosse in 2013 mm-hmm. with a bachelor's in political science, history minor, and just short of an economics minor. And originally I went into politics and figured I'd pursue that as a career as I had done some speech writing. I did a lot of volunteering for campaigns. I was a heavy activist. And at a certain point, um, I got really burned out really quickly and I had to change over. And I kind of, given that we just came off of National Mental Health Day, I'll certainly admit this, I had a lot of struggles with my mental health. Uh, I went through a severe bout of depression during college, to which point uh, I was temporarily kicked out of school um, just because I stopped going to class. And uh, I got some help, got through the rest of it, figured out what my community was, but then that pulled me out of it for a while. But after I suffered some losses you know, politically and in my job market, I kind of fell right back into that. Like I constantly explain about depression, it's like being an alcoholic sometimes. You never completely get rid of it. It's always there and you can relapse at any time. So dealing with that is a daily struggle that you have to keep up with. And for a while, I really was not motivated to pull myself out of my circumstances. So I didn't really try and improve on my job situation. I wasn't hustling. I just was okay with being content with my situation. And given the goals that I had set for myself when I left high school, when I left college, all of the barometers I had in my head, I, at a certain point, realized these are not the things that I want for myself. Now, it helped that I met somebody that really helped pull me out of that who gave me some motivation to want to be a better person. Um, I'll quote, since I'm a movie podcaster, but (laughs) somebody that made me want to be a better man. And ultimately that, that push forced me into that. But once you get into the job market, if you've never really bothered to look, 
I went into politics. Uh, I ran a campaign for my dad. Then I went to work at his law firm during the campaign. I'd never really been on a true job hunt that didn't involve, okay, apply at Radio Shack or Chili's or something else where you put in an application and because it's a run of the mill, you're a high school college student. Yeah, okay, we'll hire you on a part-time basis that doesn't pay, you know, great. It plays fine, but um, you're just a kind of a part-time kid. Well, I've never done a formal job search. So stepping into this for the first time, and it's like switching fishbowls, going from your tiny little tank to an aquarium. Yeah. And you have no concept of any of the things that you need to do, and you have to learn it on the fly and think that or set realistic expectations when you have no idea what realistic means. Interesting. So what I'm hearing from you, Tom, is that it was incredibly unfamiliar. And it was what I've heard this described before. And I can't find the piece of of literature that I heard this from. But they defined job hunting as what's called a terrible problem. And a terrible problem, per the definition of this paper or whatever it was that I read, was a problem that has a solution, but you don't get any guidance to the answer. You get one shot and you either hit the target or you have no idea why you missed. So you can't take another shot because the the thing is over, but you have no idea how to calibrate that next shot should you get an opportunity at something like it, which is really interesting. So I'm hearing a lot of that kind of, that frustration of being lost, I think. And I, I think the, I think that's probably quite common amongst people who are listening to the show. Well, one of the reasons that I'm very grateful, and I try to be a very grateful person, I I think gratefulness Mm -hmm. is something of of virtue for me um, that I don't see enough of in the world. And thus, I'm trying to put more out of it to maybe uh, stir that in others. But if you don't have the resources, I went to my folks when I first uh, decided I was going to do this. And they're all from the generation, oh, look in the classified ads or do this or do that. (laughs) They're all antiquated ideas that have no concept of what the world is now. And until you can get a real perspective of what it is, because I may have taken a job for someone else, but the real uh, piece of it is, is when I, uh, I got, I guess, the key or where I figured out my life was going is when I realized I was a contractor of one. I was a business of one. No matter what I was going to do, who I was going to work for, whether that be myself or someone else, I am only in business for me. And until you push through that and realize that every decision you make in your working career has to do with being extremely intentionable or about how you market yourself. Every decision has to build on itself. Then you're never going to completely pull out of this because or get to the places that you want to be eventually. But there is a notion that I need to be bold, confident in myself and sell myself like I would any other product or business. And that I'm going to have to do that for the next 50 years of my working career, because I may not be at one job and I may not be at three jobs, but each one of those jobs is a successive part of my story and my journey. 
um, allowing me to reach the goals that I want or I set for myself. Got it. So you, you're talking about this journey. So let's start with your journey. You know, when you started processing the, I need a job, finally, you know, you got out, out of your kind of sl- uh, slump there. And again, depression is is very real. It's very normal. It's okay to not be okay. Glad you liked it, man. It's good stuff. Uh, when we're starting this process for the job, what search terms, what websites, what job boards, what what did you do? So I believe I started on Indeed, uh, mm-hmm. just simply Indeed, uh, because that was what we used at the firm to primarily recruit people. Uh, you start looking through that, you start trying to figure out how can I define myself? Where, what positions am I qualified for? Um, what are the things that I guess positionally I, I would think somebody might hire me for? And then you start trying to reverse engineer it of sorts. What are the skills they're looking for? How do I match it? And then how do I market that to somebody who's looking for me? So then it's a matter of work experience, taking any old resume, uh, talking to the folks that know you and probably know your uh, strengths better for yourself, especially if you're somebody lacking self-confidence and is incredibly self-deprecating like I am, um, that you don't always see the qualities in yourself that you need to, to be confident in what you're selling. Got it. So you, you reverse engineer that and then figure out how do I build out from that to do that. Okay. So you got to indeed, you slapped a resume and a cover letter on there, things like that. What did you find were the jobs coming fast and furious? Was it a slow process? Did you get things that actually matched you? It was, I would go maybe once or twice a week, fill out about three or four different uh, positions. Um, I will admit I was lazy and I only filled out a cover letter if they asked for one. Uh, okay, I know good. That's, slapped that's me on the wrist a little bit, but th- that's... We're going to celebrate a success, not, not punish you for the things that you didn't do along the way. <laughs> well, I, I understand, but some of it is um, you, if you're going to be lazy, don't bother searching for a job. You're not in the right headspace to do it. Um, okay. okay, wow, I, I, that, that's, a, that's a good one. One of, one of my superpowers is efficiency, but it's only enhanced by my laziness. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Somebody told me along the line, if you want to be efficient, ask a lazy person. Very true. So how many job applications do you think you put in in total time? How, how, how many reps did it take you to go from starting day one and going, okay, I am ready to do a job hunt to final interview, you're, you've got an offer in hand, ready to roll on Monday. I probably filled out in the first six months that I was really looking, mm-hmm. um, probably about 50. Okay. Part of the thinking and why I credit this, this show is, is that it changed my mindset of how many you have to do and what the, the benchmark of reality and plausibility are. But once I kind of took the deep end dive off of I'm going to stop working here full time and then I'm going to start doing things. Then it increased to probably about 15 a week. Uh, So that was for another couple of months. 
And then once I went into this as a full-time thing, now I will admit that I did take some time off during the initial stages of COVID because I didn't know what things were going to be like, but let's let's take it on an average week or an average month during the heavy looking. Uh, I made it a regular occurrence that I was going to fill out somewhere between 10 to 20 per week and get somewhere between 80 to 100 for the month. That's pretty good, man. That's, that's, that's quite, it's quite good, actually. And we talk about kind of getting the reps in on that. And there's, there's two sides to that. You know, they, they say, you know, quantity has a quality all its own. If you're always applying for crap jobs, you're always going to have crap jobs. But if you're doing a, what's, what sounds like, you know, and, and maybe you omitted some cover letters at some point along the way, but it sounds like what you did was you looked for jobs that really fit you, that were really Tom jobs. And I think for a lot of people who are listening, that might be a missing piece of the puzzle to say, it seems like you need any port in a storm, but if you can find something that really matches the amenities that you need and hammer on all those different types of jobs, I really think that you or they are going to have a lot more success when it comes to pushing into getting you know gainful employment. My dad likes to use the word autodidactic. It's a large vocabulary word, but basically yeah, means self-learner that you constantly have to be learning. And the amount of things that I learned during this entire process cannot be quantified. It, it, the, the totality of, it, it was almost like a crash course in 15 months of not only understanding all of the things I needed to do, but all of the things that I would do if I were ever on the other side of the table again, because I used to hire people. I was a manager sure, yeah. previously. It's all of the things things that I wish were different about the world. It's understanding the business environment. It's understanding that sometimes if somebody's contacting you for a job, it's likely that they need you more than you need them. There, there's so many pieces to this that you just don't get until you're fully immersed and you just jump head first into the pool. And so it's a matter of trying to learn that. But the one piece of this that um, I really, other than the quantity angle of this, is identify what your superpower is. John Taffer, who runs the Bar Rescue uh, series and is a fairly self-made entrepreneur, likes to Mm -hmm. mention that everybody has an edge in life. Yep. It's those that identify what their specific edge over everybody else is that one talent that you have that nobody else can offer and figure out how to market that are the people that are ultimately going to get ahead. Right. And I loved when somebody in a networking meeting not too long ago mentioned, well, my superpower is that is such a great way of phrasing something because especially with, and I'm a huge nerd, the explosion of comic book movies into the public consciousness. Using that type of phrase, I have this thing that is uh, a significant strength that I am better at than everybody else is the type of thing that you need to convince yourself. Not only do you have it, but you really have it. And that's the thing that's going to sell everybody on you. Right. And I think you've you've touched on something really there. We visited that in episode 12 with uh, Sasha Kennedy, who was the marketing guest for our show, he, she's doing a great job. She's actually got coming up with something really nifty for listeners as we speak right now. I actually hired her to do some work for me. You meant what you're mentioning, Tom, that superpower in more formal terms is called a unique selling proposition or 
And that's, you know, when people figure out what that is, that's what makes people buy you as a employee, as a contractor, as a consultant, things like that. So that's, that's very good. And again, I think when you really think about it and you might even have to ask friends about that, if you're somebody who's listening for a job, you might have to go ask your friends, like, what's the one thing I do really well? Because you and I both know it's hard to talk about yourself sometimes to be like, yeah, I'm really good at this. Is that what you're good at? Or are you really good at something else that everybody else sees that you're kind of, kind of blind to in this case? All right. So you got the job. It took nine ish months, which is insane. Like that's it's 270 days without, without having a you know work structure, which is, which is just nuts. What kind of interview process did they put you through for this time? This specific job or any of the interview processes? Uh, let's go with this specific one first, but if you want to throw in things from along, you know, kind of the ride along the way, go for it. So this specific job, um, I interviewed for a different position that they hired somebody else. Okay. And I remember both on your show and someone else at some time. I can't remember the exact episode because I've, I frankly listened to pretty much all of them at this point. But mentioned that you always be grateful to any turndown and try and kill them with, you know, thank you for being uh, considerate of me. I appreciate your time, that sort of thing. And they came back to me about two weeks later, and I got this random email on a Thursday that said, we're thinking about having this position open to somebody. Would you be interested in filling this spot? We're creating this new position. We clearly need somebody in the office. We thought of you in trying to uh, seek this out uh, before we put this out on the general job market. So I said, I'm potentially interested. Yeah. Um, there are some concerns I have. Would you be open to meeting and talking about the position? So I think that was, I got a message on Thursday. I asked that on a Friday and I said, or we met on the following Monday. In the meantime, and I can't stress this enough, through any of these processes, nobody gets to anywhere in life by themselves. One of the things that I really loved about one of your early episodes was the story of how you went through all of your struggles and then leaned on your wife. She must be an incredible person, Rob, because I remember <laughs> she, that. She keeps me in line, dude. <laughs> but everybody needs a support system and a community. The places where I've gone dark or where I've had a um, issue with my depression the worst is when I isolated myself. And I felt like I am going to push everybody else out. I need to do this on my own. And that's the times when you need people the most. So when I, when I talk about the support system, I went and talked to my family. Here are all the pros and cons. Here are all the things that I'm considering. Here's the questions I need answered. And then they helped give me a few uh, additional things that I hadn't considered to bring into this meeting on that Monday. Yeah. Well, and we talked about all of those things, brought it all up. I felt good enough to basically at the end of the interview say, if offered, I would be very, I would be willing to accept this position. Wow. And that was it. And that's awesome. And, you know, I think a couple things come to mind with what you just covered, you know, you're saying, you know, reach out to that support system, reach out to those, those people in your life who, who do care about you. It's very easy to isolate. I've, I've done a lot of that myself too. And it's very easy to, to, to go into this kind of closed minded, like I'm going to, you know, bully my way through this and I'm going to barge through this, this wall and, and we're going to break it open. 
the, there's an old African proverb that goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. And I think that that kind of builds on the idea that you, you can't be an island in this. And it really, it's, it's hard to not be because you might not see people on a regular basis. If you're, if you're at home during, I mean, gosh, during COVID or whatever, but if you're at home during normal unemployment, you're not going and getting your hair done and you're not going and getting a Starbucks and you're not doing all these things that you kind of normally do, or you're not going to bars or whatever it might be, you know, that you do in, in rural Wisconsin <laughs> or wherever you're from. But uh, it, it's, it's an interesting thing to, to say, you know, let other people in on that front. I, I really like that. So if I may additionally, and Go I'm ahead. sure you'll probably cut this, but, and that's fine. No, no, don't, 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 just but don't bear with me. Choices so, for me. so bringing in my background, uh, one of my favorites of all time, probably in my personal top 10 is Goodwill Hunting. And there's a speech sure, in the middle sure. of the movie where Robin Williams describes all of the things that he loved about his wife. And you listen to that. And it's not the things that she was perfect about. It's something when I, I, in my many viewings of that movie that I've realized, we think of vulnerability as something that will keep us from everybody else. It's in fact, the polar opposite. The things that are endearing, the qualities that we like, why we pick or we tease on people about certain things about them is because those are the endearing qualities. The things that make them the most personal are the things that are flaws in what would you would see generally about people. But those are the things that bring us closer and make people relatable. You want to have deeper, more meaningful relationships, try being a little extra vulnerable. Nice. I like that a lot. And actually, it kind of jives hand in hand with what I wanted to talk about a little bit just as a kind of closer to that point, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Rather, it is a sign of strength more than anything else. So, and ba- kind of back to this, this job. So you, you took this position that they kind of, they didn't actually make it for you, but it was something they said that where you came to their mind and said, you know, that guy we had in last week, we should probably call him for this, which is great. This seems like a really, really great opportunity. And I know and when I was looking for, you know, different employment and things like that, if you're looking to move somewhere else and go somewhere else, there has to be a certain, you know, level of income. Otherwise you can't swing it because, if you're like me, you know, if we move to Texas or something like that, my wife's job goes goodbye and I kind of have to provide for both of us. When talking about the fact that you lived far enough away from these guys to actually like necessitate a move, how did that relocation conversation go with the employer, Tom? I'm curious. Uh, they, well, first off, the, the position they targeted for a specific start date. And so communication with them early on is going to be key. Um, Especially as a new hire, you want to set the expectation level. It's something we always talked about when it it comes to client care, because pretty much every business I've been a part of has some level of client care, politics, law, or now property management. And if I say I'm going to get something done in two weeks and I take three, I'm going to If uh, I have something that I say is going to take six weeks and it takes me three, I'm your savior. And so you want to try and figure out how to do that. Basically, I said, all right, I'm going to need a little bit of time to move. Uh, I'm going to need time to relocate down to your position. Not that it's terribly far away. Uh, I'm only living about two hours roughly from where 
my parents live and where I used to live. Right, but that commute would be uh, but terrible. You need, <laughs> but you can have certain logistics. And I was a little bit more ahead of the game. I moved seven times during five years of college. And I've never really felt like I wanted to set or establish roots. I never had ownership in anything. I was living out of my parents' house for a long time, like most millennials. And I only had an apartment for the last couple of years after I got a girlfriend. And then you realize, hmm, I don't want my parents being around during my private moments. So, but once, until you have ownership or you're buying into something, either uh, property or, or something else, it's hard to establish roots. So it was much simpler for me as a single guy who never tried to accumulate too much to be able to pick up and go then it's ever going to be for everybody else. So it's, it's a different conversation to have, but there are logistics to figure out. Um, you know, you obviously talk with your family and people around you that might be able to help you move. It's a little bit more complicated in the COVID times as to how many people can be around and, you know, the mass conversation, all of the other things that go into it. But the, employer was willing to give me as much time as I needed. And even to a certain extent was a uh, willing to allow me to train for the first couple of weeks from home. If it was not feasible to immediately be down here in person. Oh, excellent. Okay. So the, it sounds like number one, this employer is understanding, which is good. And those are kind of rare sometimes, but also it sounds like there's a conversation sort of that you started there and that other people may be able to start with, their prospective employers to say, Hey, if I'm going to come down here, here are the things I need to kind of lay those out at first. And, you know, don't necessarily play all your cards, but you have to be a little bit transparent on here's what's holding me up. And here's what you can do to help me release that. The size of the employer definitely gives them different flexibilities. The larger the employer, the less flexible they're likely to be because of necessity. But right. this is a smaller employer. I think our entire company is maybe 10 people or less. And so they were a little bit easier to be more flexible. The other thing is due to this year and all of the situation that's gone on, businesses have had to adapt in so many different ways that you're liable to be able to have that. And the other thing I'll stress is, is that I didn't leave it at the initial conversation. I went down and while I was looking for apartments said, I'm going to stop in and I'm going to meet everybody. We're going to communicate and I'm going to update you what my apartment search is, when I'm planning on moving, those types of things. Am I on target for what my expectation is going to be? I, I personally believe in being proactive as opposed to reactive on those things. If somebody's got to come after me and figure out, am I going to be able to start on time? You're already starting on the wrong foot. Got it. Oh, hey, and that's that's excellent advice right there as well. So. I want to move on to one of my last two or so questions here. And this one, I struggled a little bit because you don't ever want to be overbearing or self-promoting or things like that. But I do want to ask this because I think it's important for other people to know what maybe is the real meat of the show here. So the question I have for you, Tom, is I know that you place some of the credit with your new success on the tactics and techniques that you learned here. What are those techniques? Which ones and why Why did they stand out to you? I'm going to say mostly that it's getting my mindset into the space that I needed to be in to really get that job. 
because if you are sending out five, maybe 10 resumes like every other week or um, doing it sparsely, you're never going to get to the position that you want it to be. But you guys stressed very early on, this is not something that you go in lightly. This is not something that you fill out a targeted resume here or there. You have to be able to prepare in a lot of different ways. So I established my calendar. I made sure I set apart time and I was very structured in how I did things. I made sure that I was up on all of the major job sites. I made sure that I was hitting my target goal each week, you know, even if it wasn't necessarily every job fit every uh, thing perfectly or neatly, but eventually those things will pay off and you're going to see some level of a result or a response. And it was only once I got my head around that you're going to have to fill out 80 to 100 before you even get like responses before I'm like, well, holy, I got to fill out 80 to 100. It just made me realize what the totality of the task I was undertaking was. Right. Until you can wrap your mind somewhere around that, you're not going to get to where you need to go. Right. And I think the one of the biggest things, and that's what's why I did did some of those episodes so early on the sales side, if you will, of job hunting is that you need to fill that pipeline so that you consistently have things dispensing out of it to you, opportunities coming your way and things like that. And maybe you even get lucky and you have two or three land at the same time and you can pick a career like that would be amazing these days. All right. Last one. And this one's focusing on you. Uh, Tom, what do you want the rest of the listener community to know about your job hunt strategies? Not things that I told you, not things that you got from recruiting hell. What are the things that are unique to you that you used for your unique challenge? Self-care is always going to be important with me. You have to be reflective and part of self-learning is um, kind of playing back things in your mind. I, I I don't remember whether you've had anybody on that uh, stresses the importance of um, things like meditation, Not but yet. I think, so I practice TM myself daily, mm-hmm. but I find also that there are other th- self-care tactics that are very meditative. So me in the morning with my coffee, playing a video game and turning off the sound because I don't need to hear guys hacking each other or um you know, doing all of the tackling on a Madden game. Sure. But listening to a podcast or something else, because I don't need to think, I can turn my brain off and be more in tune with my surroundings. Those are meditative qualities. I similarly get a similar sensation out of driving, especially highway driving. Those are mindless activities. If you think about it, the next time you drive anywhere, once you get to your destination, try and remember exactly how you got there. You will very rarely, because we get into such a subconscious level, that that's an extremely meditative activity. And so you can find those little moments all the time to just be part of the greater world and be. And those can be refreshing for yourself, your mental capability, and all of those other things. People do it on a run. They do it on a walk. They do it during exercise. There are tons of meditative qualities that we don't necessarily place their importance on. But the other thing is, is that you do have to realize your community. And your community can be two people. It can be three people. It can be 17. 
And I understand that this year has presented an enormous amount of challenges to maintain relationships. And you have to figure out how to adapt. Uh, Men normally fall off with a lot of their relationships into their 30s and have difficulty, especially among their um, friend group, maintaining it because they get families, they get uh, kids, significant others, um, they're heavy into their work, whatever that is. They basically sacrifice their friendships for all of the rest of that. And I truly believe everything in life is about balance and you have to be able to maintain, okay, there are parts of me that I need to be able to consciously choose at certain periods of time so that I'm refreshed to do all of the other things that I need to do in my life. Because if you try and get too heavy, we, we sometimes lionize these people that sacrifice everything for the success yeah. that they've attained. They're terribly unhappy people. They're constantly like depressed and all of these other things that just are negative, toxic notions of themselves because they cut out all of that balance to achieve that one thing. And ultimately, you have to ask yourself, what do I value out of that? If it's, can I live a comfortable life? If it's, do I want to maintain a a well-being that's beyond that? Then maybe that's not for you. If you just want to improve your legacy, if you want to be known and you want to do everything at a sacrifice, well, okay, go ahead and choose that life. But understand what you're giving up and what the consequences might be of that. So there's a cost is what it boils down to. But you're, what you're saying is that, you know what, maybe, maybe being a millionaire is not great. All, all it's cracked up to be. And I like the meditative part, man. I really do. I think that that's a future episode in itself. So I'm not going to steal that. I'm going to credit you for it in this case, which I think is really important. And I, I think that brings us to a close Tom. I, I really do for, for your journey from kind of that depth of really, really hurting. I, I would, I would, and maybe I don't want to put feelings or, or words in your mouth or anything like that, but like, it sounded like it was a really dark time in a dark place. Ultimately, I think I was in a darker place before I decided I wanted to do this, that I'd kind of given up. And I think sometimes we, we over analyze that going through the process mm-hmm. is, uh, a hell in itself, but sometimes being mired in complacency and mediocrity are also a purgatory amongst themselves. If you've given up or you don't feel challenged or you're not being rewarded and you just feel like you're going through the paces, maybe it's time to figure out, or I need to listen to all of these episodes and get what I can out of changing my mind and my environment to make sure that I have the things that I want out of my life. For me, it was, I wanted to move to a bigger area that I could have more of a social life. I find it ironic that of course I did that at the exact time when I can't have a social life, but what are you going to (laughs) do? So, but those are the things. And what do you want out of your life? Sometimes you have to risk it to achieve the biscuit. Love it. And on that note, we're going to, we're going to close on risk it to achieve the biscuit. So Tom, thanks a ton for being our first success story. And seriously, man, congratulations on your new position. I really hope that uh, it brings you a lot of joy. And you know what? I think the, the important part about it is that, you know, you've got some skills in your, in your backpack now that you, if this position ever changes, you know, obviously there's always a honeymoon period with any job, 
but you're going to be much better equipped next time around. And I hope that you never actually go through another span, span of not having that employment. I really, I really do, man. I think that's, that's something that I, I don't like to wish on people. So uh, it's, it's a good thing. So as we close up here, it's your time for your shout for uh, if folks want to hear more from you and I'm, and this is, this is exciting because I'm getting, I'm getting ready for this one. So go ahead. Where can they find you, my friend? So you are actually on our next uh, recording for our greatest movie of all time podcast show. Uh, we're doing one of your favorites. I think I already revealed it on the show uh, this last week by the time mm-hmm. this is going to come out uh, that we're going to be doing Alien, the uh, science fiction horror film. As uh, always, you can follow me at uh, the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast. Uh, you can email me at greatestalltimemoviepodcast dot or at gmail dot com or uh, dynastydownload ten at gmail dot com if you have fantasy questions. I honestly love and live for answering fantasy football questions. Frankly, it's some of the only times my friends talk to me anymore is when they <laughs> have a lineup question. So it's certainly welcome. The Dynasty Download is a twice per week during the season podcast. Uh, we recap the previous week and give you a preview of the following week to uh, help you with your lineups. But uh, I usually uh, also include, if uh, you can find it, I have a personal blog that's tied to both of those that does the show notes for all of those, but I have other content up there. Um, now that we're getting into movie award season, I usually do reviews of all of those. Uh, you can check out my uh, upcoming review once it gets released here of the trial of the Chicago seven out on Netflix uh, on the, I think that's the 16th, Friday, the 16th. So excellent. We have a few of those coming up, but uh, I'm always trying to hustle, always trying to produce just like yourself. And thank you for having me on. Dude, man, it is just, it's been a pleasure. And I think it's fun because, you know, you have your shows and I tuned into, tuned into a couple of those myself and I can't wait to be on yours. So it's going to be a great time. And again, that is one of my favorite movies, Sigourney Weaver. And, and the whole, it's like the granddaddy of, of all uh, science fiction horror, which I just absolutely love. So uh, other than that, folks, this wraps uh, Recruiting Hell episode 22. Uh, for more great information that revolves around this show, head on over to RecruitingHell.com. That's Recruiting-Hell.com. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe to Recruiting Hell Over Time, which is our weekly newsletter. It's full of extra stuff that doesn't actually fit in this show. Uh, we try to do a theme every week, obviously, with the show. But there are other things that come across my desk that I want to share with you that I think are essential to your job search that you definitely want to get on there. And of course, you can also find our blog, our show notes, uh, extra articles, links to our T public thing to get one of these amazing t-shirts. And of course our Patreon page to help support this show and the job hunt uh, either of yourself or other people. Finally, if you've escaped recruiting hell, we want to know about it. Drop us a line through our contact form at recruitinghell.com or email the show at the recruiting hell podcast at gmail.com to share your story. And Hey, we might even get you on the show like Tom. Recruiting Hell is a production of Westport Studios here in beautiful Port Washington, Wisconsin, and a resident show of Podcast Town. If you're looking for other great shows like Tom's, check out RecruitingHell.com for our list of the wonderful content creators that I call friends from Podcast Town, and please reward them with a listen. And hey, if you haven't subscribed, followed, or shared this show, I greatly appreciate it. Or you know what? You know what? If you could rate this show, that would be amazing. There are millions of people the world over that could benefit from learning more about how to power up their job hunt. They're likely your friends and neighbors rating this show helps bring that to the top of the the charts and gets them helped out so they can find it. As always, a thank you to purple planet for our music and our themes. And of course you, the listener for tuning in. I'm Rob Conlon. And until we meet again, keep moving forward 
with your self-betterment and your job hunt. It's a marathon, not a sprint, and Recruiting Hell will be here to help you keep pace.